Probably one of the most interesting things about Scripture as you read the story of Jesus is even though he was very explicit about everything and he explained everything extremely well, people oftentimes just didn't get what he was saying. This could be no more true of his death. Because I think, first of all, even though he had told them that he was going to die, I think that his believers, his disciples, those close to him, were just absolutely freaked out by the whole experience. Because, see, this isn't what they had planned for, and this isn't what they had thought of. They didn't think that the King of glory, that the Messiah, would be a suffering Savior. It was like they had not read parts of Scripture. It's like they had turned off a part of the experience, and so they were totally blown away, completely decimated, incredibly scared in those days between Good Friday when He breathed His last and Sunday. In fact, Sunday morning, some of the ladies that loved Him were concerned about something. They didn't feel like they had buried Jesus well enough. That was their concern. They got up that morning, that Sunday morning, that day after Sabbath for them where they had been at rest. And that's why they had rushed the, de- the, the burial of Jesus. Is that They had to get Him buried quick because the next day was the Sabbath and they weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. They were supposed to rest. And so after bearing Jesus and going through the Sabbath, they came to the next day, which in the Jewish calendar would be the third day, which would be today. And they got up early in the morning and they did what every good group of women should do. They got stuff together because their goal was to bury Jesus better. That was their goal. In fact, that's what Scripture tells us. It tells us that the ladies had a plan for a better burial. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And they must have been having a conversation about what they were going to do. And that's kind of what it says. And it says, And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb... And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us to the entrance to the tomb? Because all of a sudden they realize, okay, we want to bury Jesus better, but he's in a secure tomb. And there's a big stone in front of this tomb. And, and we got to see an example of this when we were over in Israel. And the way that it worked to make it secure is actually the stone was on the top of an incline. And when they pushed the stone in, they rolled it down this little incline in like a trough. And they sealed it. Other scripture tells us that not only did they seal the tomb, but they guarded the tomb. But when they got there, and they were asking these questions, there was a surprise. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a right robe, and they were alarmed. Now only, you know, you've seen the movies where you're not supposed to go into a place because it's kind of scary and something's wrong. This is another example of that. They went right in. 
they were like, oh, I guess somebody already opened it for us. You know, and gathering their little bags and, and their, their spices and everything, they went in. And when they got there, there was someone sitting there. And it wasn't Jesus. In fact, he said to them, do not be alarmed. Now, if you'll notice in Scripture, this is the first thing that angels always say to people. They always say, do not be afraid, do not be alarmed. Then they said something amazing. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. (laughs) Scripture goes on and says this, verse 7, it says, But go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. If you read in verse 8, it says they were afraid and they weren't even sure what to say. Now this is something, and this is a part of Jewish culture at that time. They didn't believe women in that time. Women couldn't even be witnesses in court because they didn't believe them. And I'm sure that these ladies understood that about themselves. So they were unsure what to even say. All they knew is that Jesus wasn't there anymore. In another one of the Gospels, it says this, And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. It goes on and says, Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful people and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. This is something that we probably should underline in our own Bibles. God, help me remember your words. Have you ever read the Bible and then you walk away from it and you go, now what did that say? What was I supposed to get there? But all of a sudden, in the spirits, all of a sudden, these words that Jesus has said, all of a sudden they came back. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. So now all of a sudden, this reality has come. These ladies had gone just to bury him better and found out that he wasn't there because he had been raised from the dead. You see, sin did not defeat Jesus. He rose up from the dead. In Scripture after Scripture, all the way through the New Testament, it says over and over again that God raised His Son. That the Son raised from the dead. So the disciples investigate. The reason they investigate is they could have just said, well, that's great. We're on to the next thing. Let's start the book of Acts. No, they didn't say that. They had to figure these things out for themselves. And some of you have friends, and, and maybe you're those kinds of people that other people can tell you that this is how it works for me, and this is what's happening for me. And your response immediately is, well, I'm happy for you, but I'm going to need to investigate this myself. I, I can't go on your word. I, I'm glad that works for you, but I can't go on your word. i got to figure this out for myself. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and if you know the book of John, that means John. 
And they were going to the tomb, and both of them were running together. But the other several outran Peter and reached the tomb first, and stooping looked in, and he saw the linen clothes laying there, but he did not go in. But Peter did. Then Simon came and following him and went to the tomb and he saw the linen clothes laying there and the face cloth with been on Jesus' head, not laying with the linen cloths, but folded in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. You see, they didn't get it. For several days, they were in this place of unbelief, of, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, what, are, what is going on? Some of us are in that space in our own lives right now. We're in that space between some kind of tragedy or something that we don't understand and in trying to find clarity and we're just kind of a little bit shaken and emotionally struggling because we don't know how to read the tea leaves. We have no idea what's going on. Some of us find ourselves in that. Or you know people that are like that. People that you love and care for, that you would wish would understand the things that are important to you and the things that guide your life, and you watch them, and they are in a state of unbelief. They they don't understand yet why it was important that Jesus must die, but that Jesus would rise. Today is not about celebrating Christ's exemplary life. Today we are celebrating His anointing, sacrificial death, and triumphal resurrection that brings salvation to our sinful lives. The last couple of weeks I've had a lot of interesting conversations. and In one of the conversations, the person that I was talking to who... I'm not sure where they're at with their belief. Explain that most of their f- friends really like the teachings of Jesus. They, they see Him as a great model. They see Him as an exemplary person. And I think that every one of us has had that experience where we speak of the exemplary nature of somebody's life. That's one of my jobs. Sometimes when people pass away, I, I have the privilege of standing in front of people to comfort them and encourage them as they say goodbye to a loved one. And I gather up facts, and I try to speak to the things that we all appreciated about those people. But that's not what this is about. Today isn't about a, a, a funeral celebration where once again we're remembering just how great that person was. This isn't about remembering a president and setting up a library This isn't about even our loved ones who we love so much and remembering why they're important. Today is about celebrating the fact that the person that today is about is not dead, but is very much alive. And in His life and His sacrifice, we have the opportunity to be risen from the dead ourselves. That's the reality. 
Paul put it in simple words when he said it this way. For what I delivered to you as a first is important is what I also received. And he said, this was of all the things that I've learned, this was of first importance. And he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, he says that Christ died for our sins according with Scripture. Jesus didn't all of a sudden freelance and decide how He was going to do this differently. In His conversation with the Lord and in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, He didn't say, okay God, I know we've been talking about this crucifixion thing, but I'd like to change it up a little bit. I think we might be able to accomplish the same kind of thing if we do this instead. He, he was honest with God that night and said, God, I really don't want to do this, right? That's what He said. But not your will, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus Christ's life lines up completely with Scripture. That's why there's this amazing thing that you can read Isaiah 53, which was written hundreds of years before he ever died. And the very details of it line up with what happened three days before this. He died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried and that He raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. See, this isn't somebody's idea. This is an imaginary tale. This is all lined up with what God already said in His Word and what God continues to say in His Word. In fact, if the resurrection is so important that Paul in this passage goes on and explains what would happen if he hadn't died. If you read on, he says this, without resurrection, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, he says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. In other words, it wouldn't matter the word vanity is an interesting word in Scripture because we're told not to take the Lord's name in vain, which is mean turn it into nothing. What he's saying here is if Christ hasn't raised from the dead, then this all means nothing. I cannot imagine that today in some places and things that are called churches, there are people standing in front of people telling them that this is just a neat little fable. An incredible little story right along with Easter bunnies and the tooth fairy. Instead of this being facts and reality that not only did Christ die as recorded by over 500 people, but He raised from the dead. And that many people saw Him. (coughs) Your faith doesn't matter. If Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead. If your God is dead, your faith is dead. It's that simple. goes on to say this. Without the resurrection in verse 17, it says, If Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You haven't been saved from anything. If Christ hadn't risen from the dead. You see, the symbol of the cross is important. It's the bridge. It is where Christ took on the punishment for all of our sin. But the power of this isn't the cross. The power of this is this symbol that we don't have here. It's right here. The power of this is an empty tomb. 
where death is defeated, the sting is gone, and we are changed. Resurrection is really, really important. But I think that sometimes the way we even as Christians live our life, it's like it doesn't matter. Well, let me explain this to you in a different way. I have to confess something to you. Until just a couple days ago, I had never seen the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. Now you're saying, well, why does that matter? Years ago when our kids were little, we went to Niagara Falls. And we stood on the American side of the falls and we thought, this is incredible. But we don't want to go to Canada. That's too much work. Passports and all this kind of stuff. We can see it good enough from here. Okay? Just a couple days ago, as we were ending our vacation, we went to Niagara Falls and Nancy said, hey, let's go to the Canada side. We've never been there. And I thought... Well, that'll be kind of fun, and so we pulled out our passports, and and uh, we 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 paid too much money for a hotel, and and too much money for breakfast, and too much money for dinner. But we we went over to the Canada side, and and you know at first it didn't look like it was going to be that big a deal because it was night, and it was cold, and it was misty, and you really couldn't see anything. And in my mind, I thought, this isn't that big a deal. I already saw it yesterday when I was on the American side. But then the dawn came. And out of our window of our 14-story hotel room, I saw the American Falls in a way I'd never seen them before. And I thought to myself, huh, it's a little better on the Canadian side. And then Nancy said, do you want to drive down there? I said, well, we're here. We might as well drive down. Because there was this big casino in the way, so all you could really see was the American Falls, okay? You couldn't see the Canadian Falls at all. So when we drove down and paid some people too much money and uh, parked our car, and we were parked so far over that we were beyond the Canadian Falls. And so you're walking back and, and everything, and then all of a sudden you come around the corner and you go, wow. Why have I never come to the Canadian side? This is so much more amazing. You see, when I didn't know better, I thought the American side was it. I thought it was incredible. But all of a sudden, when I came beyond to the Canadian side, I saw the absolute beauty of even what was American. For some of you in this room, you've never gone to the other side. You, you've seen the cross and you've heard the message of the cross and you've thought, well, I'm glad that's working for some people, but you haven't seen the beauty of the cross. You've stayed on this side of the cross and you haven't seen the beauty of the cross because you don't have the perspective yet. And when you feel those little twinges of your spirit that something's not right and I've got to make something right and I, I've got to line up karma better or whatever you call it, you, you, you seek to be a better person and 
You read that next self-help book and you try to become a better person because inside of you, you know that something is amiss. Something's not right. Something needs to change. I, I'm, I'm dead here somewhere and I want life. But you're on this side of the cross. And it's night and it's foggy. You don't see the beauty. I want to tell you that the most important thing that all of history hinges on is that the God who made us loved us so much that He wanted to connect to us and He wanted to take away the emptiness that He knew was created by the poor choices that He allows us to make. And Christ died on the cross for that. If you've never asked Jesus to be your personal Savior, let Easter be the day where you begin experiencing resurrection in your own life. Paul puts it in other places that we were once old creatures and now we're new creatures. And I encourage you to consider the message of the cross and the fact that you cannot save yourself as much as you are trying to and that you need a Savior And that's why Jesus Christ died. But there's more to the story. Sometimes we end the story there and we just talk about a a Christ who died, a God who died. But we have a God who resurrected. And He is calling us and challenging us to live a life of resurrection. In fact, take a look at something in Scripture that I just find really interesting. Jesus Christ said this of Himself. Wrong button. First of all, He said that part of the reason we needed resurrection and that He needed to die for us is because there is life beyond this earth and now. That He created a new place for us to be with Him that he, we would be in His presence, and that He was leaving, He told His disciples, to create that place. He said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you to spend eternity. And He says this, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to be with me, that where I am there you may be also. And so, resurrection is about this opportunity to live eternally with God. But it's more than that. And I think that even sometimes those of people who are in church and going to church decide that that's what it's all about. They think it's about fire insurance. Don't want to go to the other place. Want to be where God is. Pray the prayer. Get fire insurance. But it's more than that. Because that isn't the only thing that Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ Himself said that He was the resurrection and the life. This is what He said. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though He die, yet He will live. And I think that what we've done without realizing it is we've relegated this idea to heaven. And we've relegated resurrection to heaven. And resurrection is a future thing. But Jesus Christ didn't just say He was resurrection. Jesus Christ said, I am 
life. In fact, in just the chapter before that, he said this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and may have it abundantly. You see, I think some people realize that they need to, quote, cross over to Canada, okay? They realize that they need a Savior, and so they make that decision to come over to Canada, but they never take the time to experience all that Canada has for them. They just live in the fog, like the disciples were, like the ladies that loved Jesus were. When Jesus Christ died, they were living in a fog, weren't they? Couldn't believe this was happening. So all they could think of is the ladies thought about decorating. You know? I'm living in a fog. What should I do? I think I need to decorate. I know what I can decorate. I can make Jesus' death better. Got some spices here. Got some... We didn't make it nice enough. I want to give him a better death. You watch people do that all the time. In our, even just in our cemetery here. People die. And they don't understand that there's more than just death. And they're so caught up in the sadness of death that what do they do? They take flowers out. They visit the grave. They think of ways of upgrading it. There's a whole industry based on this, isn't there? When my dad died, I remember that we were getting his gravestone. And the guy said, you know, you could get this inverting vase thing. So when you go to visit, you can push this little button, this vase will turn over, and you can put flowers in. But then when we need to mow, we can get rid of the flowers and put the vase so it's out of the way. And as a kid, I was like, well, that's a cool advice. We need to upgrade. But God wants us to be upgraded by the fact that something amazing happens when we ask Him to be our personal Savior. We don't just get eternal life, but we become alive. Are you living resurrection now? Are you experiencing resurrection now? I think that sometimes the reason that other people don't want to become Christian is because our lives don't look very alive. They're pretty unresurrected and they're going, I don't think I want to become saved and be a dead person. Because that's what it looks like to them. But Jesus Christ came that we might have life and have it to the full. He wants to take away the mist so that we can see all the majesty and wonder on the Canadian side. But some of us who are saved are just, even though we're saved, we're saying, I think I'm just going to stay over here on the American side. Salvation's enough. I, I don't need any of its benefits. It's just too much work. You've got to get your passport. You've got to go across this bridge. They're going to ask you questions that you don't want to answer. It's kind of expensive to be on the other side. There's money exchange. 
And if you've ever been to Canada on Montreal, they don't even speak our language. You know, and it, just the whole idea. There's so many reasons why we can make these silly excuses to not experience the resurrected life that God has for us now. But the only way you're going to know what it is is if you read Scripture and you understand what He's saying to you. Because He has life for us. And He wants us to live it abundantly. So I end with two questions. My first question is, will you live eternally? What are you doing with the cross of Christ in His empty tomb? Have you accepted that message as your own? Have you decided that I need a Savior? Or have you still saying, you know, I'm okay. I, I'm going to make it. I'll be okay. I, I'm better than other people I know. And, you know, if you watch the television, you are better than other people. But that's not how it works. Every one of us is rebelling against God. It's called sin. And so we need a Savior. In fact, most of you know there are times in your life that you need forgiveness and you're struggling forgiving yourself. And this is the most amazing thing. God has the authority to forgive you even though you don't have the authority to forgive yourself. Christ died on the cross so that you could have that relationship with God. So for some of you, your question today is, will you live eternally? Have you made that decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you been willing to accept His sacrificial work for you on the cross? Because see, it's not enough to just say He's a good man. It's not enough. Because if that is true, then most of what He said is a lie. Because He didn't say He was a good man. He said He was God. He said He was the way. He said He was the resurrection. He said He was the door. He said He was the living water. And you have to decide if you're going to believe who He is. But for the rest of us, are you living resurrected now? You know, God's been talking to me about some things in my life. And He goes, you know, Jim, you seem pretty willing to just compromise on that and then just ask my forgiveness. You believe a lot in my mercy, but do you believe in my power? Do you understand that the power that I raised Jesus from the dead is available to you every day and that you can live differently and victoriously and you don't have to muddle along? Are you living resurrected now? Because praise God, our God is not dead. He is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you.